This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today we're going to talk about profound grief and a mother's unexpected journey through that grief and the afterlife with her son. The book is called Aaron's Energy, An Unexpected Journey Through Grief and the Afterlife with My Brilliant Son. My guest today is the author of that book and Aaron's mother, Camille Dan. Later on in the program, we have a very beautiful song that was composed and written by a musical theater genius, Kevin Wong, and it is being covered today by the exceptionally talented singer, Trevay Williams. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the author of Aaron's Energy. So Camille Dan is the mother of Aaron and his two brothers and one sister. She has professional experience as a critical care registered nurse, a medical technical consultant for feature films and television, a private investment manager, and now as the self-published author of Aaron's Energy, An Unexpected Journey Through Grief and the Afterlife with My Brilliant Son. Camille Dan, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. First of all, Camille, I want to express my heartfelt condolences on the loss of your beautiful son, Aaron. I can't even imagine how you are still standing. And uh, and I, I, I finished your incredible book uh, last night, and it's quite remarkable. And I, I was amazed that you were not only able to express your grief, but also able to express really the palpable love between you and your child. And of course, the very distinct love and presence of your son, Aaron. And you you did all of this and it's incredible. Camille, you were in your car when you heard on the radio the news of this tragic accident. You write that you knew and had a sense that it was your son. Can you tell us what happened when the reality hit and you were faced with a policeman telling you what every mother fears and dreads the most when the police showed up at your door? Can you take us back to that day? That when they arrived, um, I, I sort of, you expect that they're there for that reason, but you still try to tell yourself, maybe somebody got it wrong and maybe it wasn't him, but, uh, they, you know, they came inside. They were very nice, very understanding. Um, they offered their services and they do have uh, services for uh, victims and victims' families. They were all very nice. I was in such a state of shock. I just sat there and I was trying to take it in um, and trying to protect myself from it at the same time. You're, you kind of go into this automatic reaction to this where you're your brain tries to protect you from taking it all in at once. Grief affects your memory as well. So a lot of it, I think I don't remember or I blocked out. It was too hard to get that news. I remember sitting there and I couldn't say anything. The, nothing was would come out of my mouth. I just sat there like in shock. You say you had a sense when you were driving and you heard this on the radio that this might be because you knew it was the same apartment building. Can you tell us about that? Because that was almost the beginning of Aaron communicating with you right from that very moment. Yeah. So um, Aaron and I spoke every day and he actually three days before this, he and I went out for dinner like usual. (laughs) We had our favorite pizza. And uh, he went home and he told me the next day that he wasn't feeling great. He hadn't been sleeping. And he told me he took a sleeping pill. And I thought, okay, well, if he's trying to sleep, I I don't want to disturb him. So I didn't call um, for the next whole day. And then but I didn't hear from him. And and I thought that was strange. And so I tried calling the next day 
and he didn't answer. And then it came on the radio. And I, you know, when, when that string of circumstances occurs, you, you put it together. Yeah. It's, it's, it's every parent's worst nightmare. And I, I wondered when you talk about the Shiva, and I'll just say for our listeners who don't know what that is, that's the seven days of mourning the morning period in, in a Jewish home after somebody passes away. And you went through that Shiva and you describe in the book that it's almost like you weren't there. You were almost so numb that you didn't even realize that, that this was all happening. Can you just take us back to that time, the Shiva, and was it helpful having the Shiva? What got you through that week? The Shiva was very helpful. I mean, I can't, the, the outpouring of uh, help from friends and family, I do remember that. It's hard sometimes to remember bits and pieces, you know, when you're in that state, you're, you're in a state of shock and you're in a state of disbelief. Like you're, you feel like you're in some kind of nightmare and you're going to wake up. Losing your child is not in the natural order of things. Your brain doesn't really want to accept it. Watching all this going on around me, it was like, is this real? Can this really be happening? As much as I appreciated it and all of the kindness I was shown by by people, all the generosity, I still wasn't believing it. It couldn't be my son. This isn't all going on for my son. Mm. And you say that people, and I really related to this in terms of um, people have to be so careful what they say, that there were people actually that said the one thing you never say, which is what happened. And your answer to them very um, promptly was, it doesn't matter what happened. It's, what matters is that it did happen. Yeah. Yeah. That came to me. Um, some things just came to me, seemed to be from not inside my head, almost like I was channeling some of these things um, because I couldn't think straight at the time. Right. Of course not. You started to receive these messages from Aaron. How soon after this happened did this start to occur? And can you explain to us what these messages looked like for our listeners? So the first thing that happened uh, within a couple of days after the shiva was over, uh, my very good friend came over with a message, a written message. And she said she knows that it was from Aaron. And she's always been um, interested in mediumship and psychic phenomena and uh, clairvoyance. And she's had some things happen herself. I mean, I wasn't a real believer. So I thought, okay, that's nice. She believes that. That's very, that's good for her. When I saw this note, it, it was a hundred percent from Aaron. There's no way she could have known things. And the next day when we went to the, um, his apartment building to meet with the police, uh, he fell um, as a result of this drug he, he ingested. One of the detectives said something from the note that was word for word in it. Like, I forgot everything else he said when he said that. Oh my the God. next day. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So you started to realize that this was this was a phenomenon. And, and there were so many examples. And I think you're talking about your friend Arlene in the book, because you mentioned her name many times, a very dear friend of yours, where there was a painting that was in Arlene's home. And, and the painting was near a door that was ajar. And then suddenly you saw a photo, a photograph of the painting. And once you saw the photograph, you could see faces looking out through the open door that were not in the actual painting. Can you explain yes. that? I mean, that's in itself is like, wow. <laughs> it's unexplainable, um, really. I, and I can clearly see faces looking out from the open door in the painting, but they're not in the painting. When I saw this, I, I started to receive messages from Aaron directly uh, within a few days of Arlene giving me the note. I heard Aaron's voice. Um, as as we drove to the cottage, I was crying in the car. Luckily, I wasn't driving the car. Um, when I saw the beautiful colors of fall, 
you know, along the roadside uh, in the trees thinking Aaron would never see this again. All of a sudden he said, I, I do see it, mom. I see it. I can see the colors. And it was his voice loud and clear. Wow. I was stunned. <laughs> I thought it was my, you know, my mind making it up at first, but more and more and more, I, I kept getting messages in his voice. After seeing the painting, um, he told me that the faces in the painting are showing me that it's getting crowded on the other side of the door. The, the, the spirits of our loved ones on the other side want to connect with us. Um, but it's not always so easy for them to make connections with us because of the na our human nature and and how we cope with our own emotions. And we have to be in, in a state that's compatible for energy exchange with them. So he started to describe all of these things to me, <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. Can you describe what Aaron means by ener energy exchange and what advice he gave to you on his birthday in order for you to get through that very difficult day? He said that um, he's always with me. He said that it's natural to have sadness and, and to feel grief. It's, it's human feelings that we, we should be having. Yes. So not to punish myself over them, not to beat myself up over having those feelings or for feeling bad, but that he and I can make connections everywhere. Mm -hmm. Not, it's not necessary that I go to the cemetery for it, you know, mm -hmm. and it's got more to do with what my energy state is like at the time. And he gave me some hints how I can find some inner peace and make my energy, inward energy, more suitable to receive his. What were some of those tips? A lot of the stuff we hear about, deep breathing, you know, take a deep breath in and a longer breath out. Um, I also visualize Yes. Um, visualize energy as particles and points of light in my mind. And, and I just see them surrounding me mm -hmm. and it helps raise my vibrational level toward uh, spirit energy, but at the same time, lower my anxiety energy <laughs> inside. And so I can, I can have a calming uh, peaceful, tranquil feeling. And that's when the best connections happen. Sometimes you said you wanted to go to a quiet place and that helped to get away from the noise, to be at your cottage, to be in a, in a, in a quieter environment. Yes. To be able yes. to receive the energy and the voices. And so dimes, the finding of dimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. Someone's yeah. sitting on a couch. You're talking about Aaron. They get up from the couch and there's a shiny dime right there from where they were sitting. The dime thing is incredible. And again, I was a total skeptic about this stuff. You know, I thought, oh, that's coincidence, you know, and how easy it, is it for a dime to fall out of something? Well, now that I've been open to all of this, this world, um, and I, I not only have my own stories of dimes, but so many of my friends have stories of dimes. I have found dimes in the strangest places, not only on the couch, like the one in the story, in the middle of Aaron's spotless car, hmm. in his trunk, one dime. Wow. Yeah. And... I, it's it's it happens over and over again, and pennies are uh, apparently they call you know penny you hear pennies from heaven, um, pennies and dimes are the most common uh, coins that people find in those times that they're thinking of or speaking of a lost loved one, and Aaron told me pennies and dimes that's ten plus one is eleven, and eleven is a spirit number. I'm not a physicist or, you know, um, that knowledgeable about this stuff, but apparently the number, these numbers signify interdimensional intersections. And so 
that that's why we're finding the the numbers in places like in the dimes and in the pennies and in other in other places in birth dates and um, the ba- this is the basis of numerology which I'm also not an expert I'm just learning everything you know since this all started. <laughs> There's also a belief that seeing a red cardinal is like a visitor from heaven and that your deceased loved one wants you to know that they're around. You've found cardinals, red cardinals, not just outside in nature, but you would be in a store, like in a gift store or in a convenience store even, and suddenly there was this red cardinal. And that was a very big sign. Can you explain that for us? So I was at a hardware store. This was um, not long after. This was up near the cottage. And in there to buy hardware, not thinking I was going to see a bunch of red cardinals all over the shelves of the store. And that's what it was. I I walked in and I started thinking, oh, you know, I wonder if Aaron is with me here. All of a sudden, I look up and the shelves are covered in red cardinals. I took a picture of one of them, but there were there had to have been 25 of them. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's, that's like that. I mean, it's just these signs are, are, are so apparent and so huge that you can't really ignore them. And and you said there were other ways that Aaron communicated with you. You write about clouds and beams of light and markings in the wood, markings in the snow, in photographs, in paintings, as we just discussed. You even heard his voice talking to you at dinners and different occasions. Can you elaborate more on this? So I started to look at the sky a lot in my grief. I guess we do that. We, we're looking towards heaven, thinking about our loved ones, and, and they're up there. All of a sudden, I notice the letter A in the clouds. Hmm. Next time, I notice the letter A with a heart o- above it in the clouds. Wow. Sometimes I was quick enough to get photographs Uh, What Aaron tells me about these types of signs, he says, you know, it's hard to to write a letter or your whole name in the clouds, mom. He says, (laughs) because a lot of factors have to come together for that that to happen. You have to be part of it, a witness of it. You have to be at the exact right angle uh, to see it as a letter A. Um, and the clouds all have to be organized that way. So it's not just that you saw a letter in the clouds. It's that countless micro incidents had to come together to to form that. And you had to be seeing it with your eyes. And then lucky enough sometimes to get it on your camera. <laughs> so, yeah. You wrote that you wanted to speak at Aaron's wedding one day and you didn't have that opportunity, but you have written this beautiful book. Can you tell us, our listeners, about your son, Aaron? Just tell us a little bit. It's all throughout. So people have to read the book. People have to get this beautiful book, Aaron's Energy, which we're also going to be doing a giveaway with at the end of the show. But for those who are just listening right now, just can you give us just some adjectives that describe from the time he was a little boy and he mm-hmm. spoke so early yeah. to the person he became? Well, I call it my brilliant, the book, My Brilliant Son. He was brilliant. He still is. I consider him still a brilliant star in the sky. So the, br- the word brilliant seemed perfect. Um, He was a head of developmental expectations when he was very young. And he also had this old soul. He he seemed to understand things earlier than I would have ever thought such a young child could. For instance, when he brought coins to school and gave one to each child in his class, he was only two, just over two years old. So yes. in nursery school, he gave one to each child to put, and told them to put it in the charity box, the tzedakah box at school. I thought the principal called because some kid <laughs> choked on the, on the <laughs> I thought, oh my God, I'm a terrible mother. And when I heard what she told me, I, I was just blown away. Yeah. 
You know, he also was your helper. He was the one that got on the ladder to fix things. Oh, he was yes, the fixer. Yes. He was the one who led the seders and led the different um, holiday traditions and Shabbat Friday night dinners at yes. your home and yeah. and all of these things. It just sounds like he was the most wonderful person. And he was, yeah. And and yet, love. The, the what seems to be the message in this book is that love and faith are so powerful. We're going to go on a short commercial break, but we're going to hear more from Camille Dan about the power of love and faith when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, and we're joined by author Camille Dan. So, Camille, I was just saying that when you are that connected and you have that much love the way you had with your son and he had with you, that that remains, that the physical doesn't, but that soul and that love can come to you and be there for you. And faith is the other factor. Can you talk a little bit more about how your whole view of, of existence and afterlife has changed and, and how love and faith seem to be the common denominator in all of this? So grief is as deep as love. The, the more you love, the deeper your grief will be. So it's, it's even a a reflection of the love. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that the love remains and continues in in eternity. I do believe it now. And Aaron's love, the the love he was able to give and receive was literally limitless. And he his love of his faith and his love of his family. Uh he was he was he so loved and so cared for his family that it did present him with some challenges in life. He did have some, some emotional challenges that he went through. Um, I believe that is an extension of love as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I also believe that a person is so much greater than their challenges and their struggles in life. And, and that's because of the amount of love they have and the amount of love that they can give. He was my eldest son. So we spent his first three years, just him and me. And, you know, we had a, a, such a close bond, uh, you know, and, and I feel that we still do. That's what I feel is that's the best part. That's the best part of this very sad story is that you have the bond and you feel the bond. And thank goodness, because that's probably what's helping you get through. I also think writing helped you. So you took writing classes. And in fact, at one point, a friend said, step away. It's too much to hear 25 stories of grief. But then it was Aaron who invited you to come back to the writing. Yes. So Aaron has been encouraging this writing all the way through. And again, Arlene one day said, you know, you're going to write a book. This is going to be a book. And I said, no, it's not. It's my grief journal. Nobody wants to read my grief journal. And um, sure enough, she was right about that. It just seemed to progress as the writing progressed. Um, I thought, well, maybe this should be a record of Aaron's life for his family. I'll turn it into a nice bound uh, album of Aaron for the family. And next thing I knew, I started learning more and more, talking to more and more people about their grief, what they were going through, and came to the realization that 
yeah, this might help somebody. <laughs> so it evolved into, into a book and, uh, you know, just, I just took it one step to the next. And some days when I would say, I would, I talked to Aaron actually, I'll be in the house and talking to him out loud and he answers. That's, that's the, that's the miraculous part. part of it, you know? And, and I said to him, there's, Sometimes I, I just feel like I can't, I can't take all of this grief and, you know, and it's just too much for me to deal with. I'm going to back off a little from it, Aaron. He's, and he'll say, yeah, mom, you should back off a little bit from it. Give yourself some time to, to breathe a little bit. And he's, and then he says, but it's going to be a lot more. So, <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> and it, and more comes and I, and I'm able to handle it. Uh, so he's, he gives great uh, advice too. He's good for, for my therapy. <laughs> Do you feel when you write about a person, Camille, that you love so deeply that it brings them back to life in some way? Yes, Absolutely. It absolutely brings them back to life. Um, and I think that's a lot of what's going on for me and the, and why I find it so therapeutic to write about Aaron. And I, I, I continue. I mean, the, at the end of my book, I say it's the end of the book, but not the end of the story, um, because it's not the end of the story. So much has happened since. Um, I continue to learn. I've had so many signs since that have that have happened and they're growing they're getting bigger and more obvious and uh you know aaron one of the things he told me was he wants me to tell his messages and get that message out just as much as everyone else's loved ones who are with him want the same yeah in the book, you mentioned that for the first year since Aaron's passing, you could not say the D word death, which is a very hard word to say. And I get that. Um, why do you think this word was so exceptionally hard for you to say? And can you say it now? I have. I've come to be able to say the word death and to say that my son died, but it sounds it sounded too final. And I think there's some part of you uh, f at least for the first year. And it's different for everybody. Everybody's grief is, is different. We're all on, on our own, uh, journeys in life. And for me, it was, it wasn't until about the first year before that, I think I was living under some kind of delusion that this was a nightmare I was going to wake up from. And saying that word, it much. made it all too real. Yeah. Yeah. On January 4th, you received a spam email and in it was a horoscope and you realized that what it was in fact a message from Aaron yes. and he encouraged you to open the message and you did. And the horoscope said, find a publisher for that, this amazing manuscript. Yeah. And you published, <laughs> you published your beautiful book, which in itself is, is a daunting process. Yeah. I open it and my mouth hung open and I thought, okay. That's enough now. I've had enough signs. <laughs> it's time to publish this book. So yes, that's so incredible. Yeah. You say at the end of the book that you've accomplished your mission and then you write, but now on to Aaron's. What did you mean by that? The mission Aaron gave me is to get his message out. Um, so I'm doing it. I'm, you know, talking to you today. I have other uh, interviews, uh, the book is being sold. Um, you know, the message is getting out. I've joined some grieving mothers groups. Um, I'm also on, on good grief, uh, healing.ca, which, um, my book is now one of on their list of recommended reading. And also not just the telling of his story, but I've also honored Aaron, uh, by donating the proceeds of the book to mental health research and care, which is another uh, mental health and addiction are, are the other two concurrent pandemics with, with the COVID pandemic. So I feel that it honors Aaron and his life 
to give to that cause. And I've also given to some other causes in his memory. And uh, so that's another way of giving out the message. Yes. You, know. you also have a beautiful Facebook page called Aaron's Energy. Can you just tell us briefly about that and how it has evolved? Yeah, so I started a Facebook group. Um, it's a continuation of the work that the book is doing, getting the message out, sharing it with other people. I've shared now so many stories. Virtually everyone has a grief story. Everyone, unless you're really lucky to have never lost someone close to you, a family member, a friend, a pet, um, you know, but I believe the majority of people have a story of grief that they'd like to tell. And also stories of their connections with the afterlife. I've heard some incredible stories. So the the group page allows people to to join in and tell their their own stories too. Camille, I wasn't even sure if I should ask you this question, but in every show, I ask the guest what bliss is for them. And I'm wondering now if it's still possible to feel any kind of bliss at all. And if so, what is bliss for Camille Dan these days? It is possible. It's possible to have bliss and grief at the same time. Uh, it's, it's not something I would have thought of or would have believed uh, not that long ago, but it does come eventually. Uh, so my, I find my bliss in sharing this story and, and getting this message out and raising my vibrational energy and helping others to raise theirs, um, making new connections with people, learning new things. So I have found my bliss in writing this book. I have to tell you, the book made me cry a lot. And your beautiful poetry, especially the poem, One Soul, did exactly that. Would you read for our listeners your beautiful poem at the end of the book entitled One Soul? Thank you. I'd be happy to. Thank you for asking. One Soul. The world sees your reflection in my mirror. Your love is in my eyes. Your wisdom is heard in my voice. Your warmth is felt in my embrace. Your pride is my posture. Your presence is palpated in my heart. The world sees your value in my grief. We are part of each other. Forever together through time and space, souls conjoined. So beautiful. Thank you for reading that. Thank Camille. you. Thank you. Wow. How can people contact you, Camille Dan, on social media and purchase your beautiful book and follow you and be part of your groups, etc.? So I created my own website. That's another thing I learned in this process. Uh, www.aaronsenergy.com, A-A-R-O-N-S-E-N-E-R-G-Y.com. Um, I can be reached there. Um, very easily. The book can be actually purchased. There's links to purchase the book on my website. Um, it can also be purchased on Amazon, uh, worldwide, actually, Amazon uh, domains. Um, I just did a price reduction on the book, $2 off, in honor of our second um holidays, spring holidays of the pandemic. And and we all have important spring holidays in many different religions. And I wanted to honor uh, the loved ones that have been lost to the pandemic this way. Um, there's, uh, it can also be purchased through Goodreads. And how can people follow you, Camille Dan, on Instagram and Facebook? So I can be followed at Aaron's underscore energy underscore book on Instagram. And on Facebook, the Facebook group page is called Aaron's Energy. 
That's so wonderful. I, I want to thank you, Camille, for being on the show today and mostly for writing this beautiful, beautiful book. And I'm going to tell you all the name of the book again. It is Aaron's Energy, An Unexpected Journey Through Grief and the Afterlife with My Brilliant Son by Camille Dan. I know that you're going to help a lot of people with this book and help a lot of people connect even to those they've loved and lost. And um, I just want to end by saying... Um, I pray that um, Aaron's memory, may his memory be a blessing. And um, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. We're going to go on a short commercial break. When we come back, the beautiful music of Kevin Wong, sung by Trevay Williams. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. Today we have a very exciting featured artist segment because we're really featuring two incredible talents. First, we are honoring the work of composer, lyricist, singer, musician, and dramaturg Kevin Wong and singing a beautiful song from Kevin's EP, Small Ways to Move, is the uber-talented singer Trevay Williams. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about Kevin Wong. So trained at the Royal Conservatory of Music in violin, harmony, and music history, Kevin Wong is a prolific musical theater writer and composer whose celebrated works have included Recurring John, a song cycle, Star Ving, a collection of songs, Misprint with book writer Lauren Toffin, Drama 101 with book writer and co-lyricist Stephen Gallagher, produced at Bravo Academy, and Reframed, which was nominated for a Dora Award for Best New Musical Opera, produced by Musical Stage Company. And he also has several exciting projects in development. Kevin was also the Musical Stage Company's Associate Artistic Director from 2016 to 2018. He's as well a member of the vocal group Asian Riffing Trio with Chris Sujiuchi and Colin Ascension. He is currently part-time faculty at Sheridan College. He also wrote a beautiful song called Tides, which is why we're here today, from an EP called Small Waves to Move. Here is a clip from Kevin Wong describing what inspired him to write this magnificent piece. Let's roll that clip. Tides is the final song on an EP that I released in May of 2020 called Small Ways to Move. Small Ways to Move as an EP came about because I was starting to feel really restless and frustrated with the state of the pandemic at that time, not knowing, of course, how long it was going to go on. Um, but a lot of my work, both as a musician and as a theater writer, had been cancelled out from under me because the pandemic hit us so quickly and suddenly we were all at home in lockdown trying to buy webcams and learn how to use Zoom. And I found that as a part of reawakening my creative spirit, I had to go back to basics and write and sing and record something that was for myself, for my own joy, for my own soul, for my own heart. So out of that, a lot of the songs on this EP were born, Small Ways to Move, a song called Faces on the Floor, a song called Cabin Fever. Um, and I thought I was done, actually, with the EP at seven songs. Uh, the final song was going to be a song called Wake Me, which is from a musical called Believers. But right as I was getting ready to finalize those mixes, I was sitting at home one day at around 7.30 and people were banging pots and pans on their balconies to show their appreciation for all of the people who are doing so much good work in our healthcare system. I remember thinking that despite all of the letdowns and the disappointment, we still had such a capacity for good 
to do so much for each other and to uplift each other. And I started writing the lyrics, find the silver in the lining. And I remember at the time I was doing a lot of breathing practice with myself to try to center myself uh, within my tiny little office, you know, and so the idea of in and out as a breathing exercise was becoming a personal mantra at the time. And uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say that the song Tides kind of came out onto the page and into my fingertips and on the piano within the span of about 30 minutes. And then I immediately went into recording my version of the song, which took me about an hour. And by the time my husband came back from his daily two hour walk, I had a new song for him. Uh, and I wasn't even sure that I was going to put it on the EP because it felt so new and so vulnerable that um, I had that sort of like, ick, this is like a really like optimistic, raw part of me. Uh, and then my best friend listened to it and said, oh, no, you absolutely have to put it on the EP and this should be the final track. And that was that. Wow. That's just incredible. Uh I, I just was so blown away, even when I heard that clip from Kevin Wong describing his beautiful song. Just absolutely incredible. So let me fast forward to Trevay Williams, who is going to be performing this song today. So recently, I was on Instagram. Yes, one of my favorite places, I'll admit. <laughs> and I heard a gorgeous cover of Kevin's song by the uber-talented singer-songwriter Trevay Williams, who's a third-year musical theatre student at the prestigious Sheridan College in Oakville. He joins me today to talk about what gravitated him towards Kevin's magnificent song and why he wanted to cover it. And of course, we will hear Trevay's stunning rendition of Kevin Wong's song, Tides. Trevay Williams, welcome back to Finding Your Bliss. So glad to have you back here. So glad to be here. Thank you so much. Of course. We love when you're on the show. Before we hear the cover of Trevay's beautiful song, I just wanted to tell our audience a little bit more about you. So when Trevay was just one years old, he would lay on his stomach and play rhythmic beats with his hands and feet, entertaining his big family. He got his first mini drum set when he was only four years old. Trevay has quickly grown into a well-rounded artist. He's a singer, dancer, choreographer, actor, and musician. Not only is he a great musician and theater artist, but Trevay makes it his priority to constantly spread love, encouragement, and motivation through inspiring online posts through his music and in his daily life. Trevay hopes to have a sustaining and successful career in the arts after graduating from Sheridan College in 2022, and he's optimistic for great opportunities where he can express his unique artistry. Again, Trevay, it's great to have you back on the show. I, I really was gobsmacked. That's the word I would have to use when I heard that song, and I immediately reposted it and wanted all of our listeners and viewers to enjoy it. So first of all, congratulations on the song. It's gorgeous. Thank you, so Thank you. It's beautiful. What did you love about Kevin's song, Tides, and what compelled you to want to cover it? Mm. <sighs> that song... Um, well, last year, um, I found myself going into a, a slight depression after um, George Floyd's death. And I remember I was laying on my bed and his Kevin Wong's album came out. And that was actually the first song that played for me. And I was like, wow, like this was meant to happen. Like literally in the song, it says in and out. And I needed to just breathe in that moment. And every single lyric in that song was everything I needed to hear. And I knew that one day I would sing it, even if it was just for myself. Um, but I'm glad that he allowed me to sing it for others and bless others because it is such a blessing that so many people need to hear, especially during this time of uncertainty. So, I, I, I got to tell you, Teray, and I, <laughs> your voice is so breathtakingly beautiful. And this rendition of Kevin Wong's song, Tides, is is actually awe-inspiring. It kind of, I was trying to describe how I felt about it. It makes you cry and lifts you up all at the same time. So can you tell us how you started to record this and put this together and how it grew from sort of this idea to becoming this beautiful song that there it was suddenly on Instagram. And I was just like, <laughs> God bless. Oh, my Lord. So yeah. what happened from the time that you were lying on your bed that night to actualizing this beautiful creation? Yeah, well, so a little fast forward. Um, 
I entered into my third year at Sheridan. And we have to do these cabaret projects where cabaret meaning we sing a few songs that we want to sing. Um, and I remember one of my vocal teachers said, what song do you, do, what do you want to say right now? Mm-hmm. And the first thing that came to me was Tides. And I remember my first thought was like, oh my God, I can't sing a Kevin Wong song. He's a legend. <laughs> um, but then I was like, there's nothing else that my heart wants to say right now. And I had to sing his song and I just kindly asked him, and he was like, of course, he was so gracious and he's so nice. And that's how I ended up singing it for the cabaret. And then I wanted to also do a recorded version um, because I wanted to do the song justice. And so, yeah, I, I asked him if I could do that. And he, he graciously said, yes, of course. So that's how I got to do it. Yeah. I'm so excited to share this with our listeners. And I thank you again so much for being here to sing this. Let's all have a listen now to Tides, written and composed by Kevin Wong, with this spectacular cover by Trevay Williams. In and out, in and out, tides go in and out. There are moments when I'm grieving, there are nights when I despair. Then there's moments of receiving such care, such care. Okay, we're all crying here in the in the in the various uh, parts of our remote uh, recording here. Um, it, there's just no words for how beautiful um, that is, Trebe. Does it still make you emotional to hear this? One hundred percent, one hundred percent, because I, I can hear how it has literally brought me out of such a dark place. Um, so yes, it does. <laughs> I, I almost felt in a way that it's like a prayer. I almost mm. wanted to say amen at the end because there's just something so um, spiritual and beautiful and it just gives you some peace and some light and some hope and some love in the middle of all of this. And yes, it, yeah. it kind of gives you the chills and makes you feel joy and weep all at the same time, if at that makes time. sense. It does. It does. <laughs> it's truly, it's truly spectacular. So thank you very, very much. And thank you, Kevin Wong, very much for that beautiful thank you, song. Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> <sighs> What is next for you, Trevay? I think the sky is the limit when it comes to you and your talent. Um, what is next? I don't know. <laughs> I'm hoping, um, you know, for more opportunities to sing beautiful songs like that one and to write more beautiful songs. Um, you know, I'm in going heading into my last year of Sheridan next year. I'll be graduating next year. So I'm just hoping and praying for the best. I'm not sure, but I'm open to anything anything good. (laughs) Well, you deserve it all and more. What is bliss for Trevay Williams? Bliss right now for Trevay Williams. Um, Bliss for me is always love. Um, I, you know, I I find that I receive the greatest joy is when I'm giving love, even through singing, you know, I'm always thinking, how am I reaching someone with my love? How is love affecting my voice? And yeah, definitely just just love receiving and giving love and dancing. I'm loving dancing right now. I must say that. <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners, Trevay is also an unbelievably talented dancer. Like it's crazy. <laughs> I want to take a lesson from you one day. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, 100%. What is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you on social media? The best way is definitely Instagram at Trevay Williams um, and Facebook and Twitter, all Trevay Williams. Yeah. And let's spell that for everyone. T-R-A-V-A-E and then Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S. That's fantastic. I want to thank you. Really, thank you so Thank much you. Trevay for being on the show today. I'll help. I hope you'll come back when you're famous oh, <laughs> and even before, but you will be, I can, I can promise you that we love you here on finding your bliss because you're a blissful being. And we're so thrilled to share your talent and your beautiful light with everyone. Oh, bless you. Thank you.
As well, a big thank you to composer, lyricist, singer, musician, dramaturge, violinist, and producer Kevin Wong for his absolutely magnificent music and for creating the beautiful song Tides. Here at Find Your Bliss, we love music, as you all know. So if you're a singer or a musician, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. Also, if you're a writer, artist, author, mindfulness expert, or someone who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. You can write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. Also, we encourage you to visit our online magazine at findingyourbliss.com. And of course, you can always follow us at my favorite place at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. In Bliss News, I want to tell you all about an amazing event called Women of Action. This event is hosted by ICRF Toronto, who raise funds for cancer research. It will take place on Sunday, April 18th at 11 a.m. in a virtual format. Women of Action recognizes outstanding women, and this year, ICRF is honoring Diane Francis, Sylvia Montella, Dr. Kelly Metcalf, Lori Sheff, and the incredible former longstanding host of Good Morning America, Joan London. Also, singer and musical theater performer Lily Lee Brack will be singing throughout the live stream event. I encourage you all to sign up for this fabulous celebration by visiting www.icrf.ca and register for your complimentary ticket today. Also in Bliss News, we're excited to announce that we're giving away a copy of Camille's beautiful book, Aaron's Energy, An Unexpected Journey Through Grief in the Afterlife with My Brilliant Son. The contest closes on Tuesday, April 19th, 2021. To enter, be sure to check our Instagram post at The Bliss Minute for all the contest details. I would like to thank all of my guests, Camille Dan, Kevin Wong, and Trevay Williams. Also, a big thank you to our supervising producer, Mag Ruffman, production manager, Siobhan Kylie, PA researcher and editor, Haley Allegia, audio producer, Faz Kazi, and to everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. This show has been recorded by Squadcast. We're going to close out the show today with a short meditation. Start by settling back into a comfortable position and just allow your eyes to close or keep them open with a softened gaze. Begin by taking in several deep breaths, breathing in fully and exhaling fully. Breathing in through your nose and out through your nose. Bring your full attention to noticing each in-breath as it enters in through your nose travels down to your lungs and causes your belly to expand. And then just notice each out breath as your belly contracts and the air moves up through the lungs, back up through the nostrils or mouth. Notice how the inhale is different from the exhale. You may experience the air as cool as it enters your nose and warm as you exhale. As you turn more deeply inward, Begin to let go of all the noises around you. If you're distracted by sounds in the room, simply notice them and then bring your attention back to your breath. Don't try to control your breath in any way. Just observe and accept your experience in this moment without judgment, just paying attention to each inhale and exhale. And if your mind wanders, simply notice it. Then practice letting go of the thought as if it were a leaf floating down a stream. Then bring your attention back to your breath. And when you're ready, open your eyes, come back fully alert and awake. And just remember the breath is always with you as a refocusing tool to bring you back to the present moment. Put a smile on your face and enjoy the rest of your afternoon. For all of us here at Finding Your Bliss, I'm Judy Liebrack, reminding you all to breathe, and take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.